In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared to Mary. She conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God. That we may be made worthy of the promises. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, sure, it's good to be with everybody today. And, uh, uh, I, I laughed because earlier Wes called it old school, so this is kind of the old school approach, uh, which I kind of, I actually very much enjoy. Uh, but it's good to be with you. And and Father John, actually, before we continue, I I love that greeting given by mother and daughter, daughter in Seattle. I think the mom here in the area. That's really neat. We might have, we might charge you texting service fee, but we I really like that. That was neat. The way you connect on PC, that was really nice. But anyways, uh, we want to touch a little bit about last weekend. It was a, a glorious weekend for, for our parishes at St. Thomas and at Pope St. Pius X because on Sunday, May the 2nd, uh, the children who had been preparing received uh, First Holy Communion. And, and it's always a, a special day. It's always a beautiful day. So, Father John, what was your experience of, of First Holy Communion this year? Well, joyful. You know, as a community, we're... we're back together. Our young ones are being formed in the faith. We see it lived out. I think they were very well prepared, Father, as were the young ones at Pope Pius X. They, they understood fully the experience. They understood the sacramental truth, the sacramental life of the church that they're experiencing in its fullness now through the Eucharist. It was just a beautiful day to see life lived out and then passed generationally uh, from from one group of young ones to, or from parents who've matured in the faith, passing that on to their young children as well. Yeah, you know, I was thrilled, and and uh, as you mentioned, the the kids were engaged, and I love that that the parents were given a, an option. I would say maybe even a bit of a push for for more involvement through our our, our PC program. Uh, of, of especially of, of sacramental preparation for for kids and first holy communion, the the, the parents I think were engaged. The, the children seemed ready. Uh, of course, they don't understand all the nuances, all the theological depths of the Eucharist, but neither do we. Right? We grow into it. We grow into and, it. And so, and so that that was beautiful. So I want to give a great big shout out to 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 Jenny, who and also to Maddie. Uh, who, who did great in engaging the families and, and in helping to prepare the children. The, the preparation uh, really, really, really shone through. It, that was my experience anyways. 
Uh, and so I'm really, really proud of our of our team, and, I, and I'm proud of the kids who receive First Holy Communion, both at, at St. Thomas and at Pope St. Pius X. You know, First Holy Communion is one of those days that you remember for the rest of your life, right? It, it doesn't matter if it was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, you remember the day of your First Holy Communion. And then um, we also wanted to touch a little bit about the month of May. The month of May is a special month because it's, it's a month like October that is dedicated uh, to the honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and so I know that at both parishes, there, there's, a, there's a, a May crowning. And, and I have to say our, our May crowning uh, took place on, on Saturday after first Saturday Mass. And, and I really, I, what I really liked about it is that the kids for First Holy Communion were there. So almost a, almost a retreat, it was almost a retreat-like atmosphere. The day before they received First Holy Communion, we had Mass. The last day they were going to come up and ask for a blessing instead of receiving First Holy Communion. And, and then uh, we had the coronation uh, and a, a, just a beautiful time. So it's always a beautiful thing to, to do that. I think it's one of those traditions, old traditions, that is being brought back, not just here, but in, in many, many places. And it's a very beautiful one. And I think, Father John, the coronation is going to take place at your parish, at St. Thomas, rather, this coming Sunday, right? It will, Father. Thank you. At, at our 10 a.m. Mass, we will have the coronation, and then we'll have a procession around our immediate campus outside with our Mary statue and a canopy. And, uh, you know, use that phrase, old school. It's some of those things, they're not old school. They're, they're contemporary, and it's good for us as Catholics to be expressive and very public of our, in our faith. And so that's, that's this weekend. But I was just mentioning while you were talking about remembering your first communion, I had in my drawer, this is so old, it's almost written on sheepskin, but that's my certificate from when I made my first first communion. And there, we, there that little guy was, but it, you're right. That date lives with you forever. And I have that is wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful you still have that. It's pretty brittle. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to take it to an archivist to preserve it yeah, for you. Yeah, i got to be careful with that so it doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and kind of as an introduction to what we're doing here, today we want to talk a little bit about, and we've talked about this before, but I think it bears repeating, and that is the whole purpose for PC. And, and there's lots of things that we're trying to, to engage and we're trying to awaken, not only in you, but in all of us, about the beauty and the depth and the reality, the concreteness of our Catholic faith. And so the, the world proposes lots of reasons not to be Catholic. And we want to give you lots of reasons to be Catholic. We have lots of reasons and motivations to remain Catholic. And not just Catholic. I always characterize it like this. So if you have a rosary around your rearview mirror, don't be offended. But that's how I characterize it is sometimes people will wrap a rosary around the rearview mirror and call it good. I've, I've met the, the, the bottom line to be Catholic, so I'm in. You know, and, of course, very good, uh, good uh, devoted people do that, too. But, but we see that a lot. You know, it's e Catholicism is easy to encapsulate and to limit only to the externals. We have a rosary. We, we will say holy words or we'll say, I'm from a Catholic family or I went to a Catholic school, so I'm automatically a good Catholic. Well, it requires more. And so that's the more, the more that we're trying to engage in you, but also in us, also ourselves. That's what PC is all about. And Father John and I were discussing earlier a way to kind of springboard into the topic today 
uh, is is today's first reading. If you if you follow the readings for the mass, which is a very good thing to do, especially if you can't make it to, to Sunday to daily mass, it's a, it's a very good thing to do. And, and and today's today's is so fascinating, just a fascinating story, and it's it's from the 14th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, and Saint Luke. St. Luke is the author of the Acts of the Apostles, just like he was the author of the Gospel. And St. Luke wrote the, the Gospel and, and the Acts of the Apostles probably about, probably about 60, 70 years. Uh, no, no, I take that back. Probably about 40 to 50 years after they happened. And, and this is what he writes. So <laughs> get this. He's talking about Paul. A bunch of uh, of Jews went went to to uh, Iconium and they were angry. And this is what he says: They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Period. And then he says, "But when the disciples gathered around him, he got up and entered the city. So they thought he had killed Paul, but they didn't really. But Saint Luke, you notice that he he he's almost clinical about." The stoning of St. Paul. And the stoning is, those of you who don't know, it's very graphic. It's actually very awful. They would literally would throw stones at a person until that person died. So how many stones did St. Paul have to endure for them to think that he had died? So you notice that St. Luke does not enter into that at all. St. Luke does not enter into how many people dragged him out, how they dragged him out, how many people that were there to throw, throw stones, did the, thrones, did the stones bash in his head? We have no idea. He doesn't say any of that. And I, and I was wondering, why did he not say any of that? Because the stoning of a person is a, is, a, is, a, is a horrible thing. It's a dramatic event. But Luke doesn't want to enter into the drama. Because in the background, in the back of Luke's mind, and also in the back of, of Paul's mind, and the reality is, what matters is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Yes, St. Paul almost got stoned to death, but what matters is <laughs> not the details of that. What matters, even though the man almost got stoned to death, what matters is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Isn't that incredible? He doesn't enter into the drama. He doesn't get lost in those details. What matters is that Jesus rose. So what a great springboard and a lesson for you and for me, because our lives, sometimes we can enter into the drama. Sometimes I think we like to go into the drama. The drama draws us in, right? And we want to stay focused on those details, especially those that are negative and those that are juicy and those that are gossipy. We want to go to those, and yet in the back of our minds should be just like what was in the back of the mind of St. Luke and of St. Paul. Jesus rose from the dead, and that's all that matters. So remember that the next time that you find yourself in a difficulty in life, right? And some of our difficulties, I know that I say drama and makes, makes light of them, but there's some really serious things that happen in life, and we're going to talk about some of those here tonight. Remember, the important thing is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So sorry, uh, Father John, I didn't mean to talk so long about that. I know you wanted to say some things about this morning's well, reading, too. Well, you, you've highlighted the key point, and it was something I actually learned from you as you were sharing that, which was this 
he doesn't focus on the particulars. He focuses on the mission because Luke is careful to tell us, just as you explained, stoned so many times or so violently they thought he was dead. He's not. Luke just tells us very specifically he got back up, went back into the city, and then continuing on. We'll see that in tomorrow's readings. He just continues on in the mission. There's no Barnabas tended to his wounds. Paul was down for a month. There's none of that. It's, and they left there. They went to Derbe. Uh, spread the good news, and a considerable number of disciples were baptized. They just continued on in mission. There's, there's no, uh, there was no take a pause, take a break, take a time out. It was right on with the mission. Exactly. What matters is Jesus rose from the dead, and we have to let the whole world know yeah, that. Let them know. So I, I just love that. How you know when you talk about being single-minded, there you go. Even a, a, a violent near-death experience is not enough. To derail these guys, so so that's our, our that's our springboard for tonight. If you have your books, uh, I just was, I would offer this. If, uh, just I hope it's not a distraction. But now I'm reading, now I'm reading Paul. So we heard Luke telling about Paul. Now here's Paul speaking. He says, "Now he's this is to the church in Corinth." He says, "I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Yeah. Yeah. That was his mentality that allowed him to stand back up and move forward in mission. And that means that he got all of those things, right? And and that's that's almost, that's kind of the earthly reward of a Christian is persecution. <clears throat> so so remember, part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to engage our faith, engage ourselves in the Catholic faith and living out our Christian faith. And so we're, we're going to do a little bit of a review, if you want to call it a review, but just to refocus ourselves constantly because you know, the Christian faith is kind of a circular thing. You know what? Our, our liturgical calendar is kind of a, a circular thing. And so we always circle back to the basics. We circle back to who we are. We circle back to the center. And so I love the words that are given to us on page 16 because they're very, very, very basic. And for those of you who don't have the book, uh, Father John and I will read the the the, the words and their uh, and the 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 meanings, the definitions given to us by the book. So, Father John, if you don't mind, I'll do the first uh, three words, okay. and you will do the the next four words. And okay. and so we have to speak like this because we're not in the same room. So right. Um, so the first word is believe. Right. It's a word that we need to be aware of if we're going to be. Uh, uh, engaged in practicing Christians believe and, and and the book says that believes listen to this is to accept the truth so believe is to accept as the truth so that which is proposed and I'm going to go back to that word proposed by the faith is believe trust trust is to rely on someone right or in our case is that someone is Jesus and his church and then faith. Faith this is a good word. <laughs> They're all good words. A gift from God as well as our free response to believe what God tells us about himself and about the world he made. I like that definition because it's one that all of us can engage in. I'm going to read it again if you don't have the book. A gift from God as well as our free response to believe what God tells us about himself and about the world he made. All right, so Father John, if you take us to the second set of words, please. I would, and uh, we begin with, just as we begin our rosary, we pray for faith, hope, and love as we initiate a rosary each time we pray it. And those are the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. 
And these virtues, we know they come from God and they point us to God. So as we begin our rosary each day, we are reciting those three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. Next word we're offered is to obey. What does obey mean? It is to do what God tells us to do and to do what God's representatives, parents, our priests, our bishop, teachers, and so forth tell us to do, our catechists, to do what God tells us to do and to do what God's representatives our parents, priests, bishops, teachers, and so forth, what they tell us to do. Now, uh, that's why priests, bishops, teachers, parents are in prayer as well, so that what we're saying is God's guidance, not, not just our own opinion, but it's actually shaped and formed by our own walk in the faith. The creed. Now, we've studied the creed here at PCA at home. We studied the creed quite extensively, haven't we? We went through it in its various components. But all things that we believe in, the Catholic creed, we said each Sunday at Mass, that creed, is the summary of what we believe uh, in our Catholic faith. And then lastly, the Apostles' Creed, we say that as well with our rosary. The most important truths about our Catholic faith were written down, and these include many of the truths God wants us to have in faith. And so it's the summary of our faith as well. The, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene-Constantinople Creed are very similar. Nicene-Constantinople Creed providing a little more expansive understanding that the Apostles' Creed, the theological virtues, are very much part of our daily recitation of the rosary because these are the core core truths about our Catholic faith. Very good. And, and then remember one thing that the, a good way to, to wrap this around or to understand this is to see, simply see this as a proposal of what to believe, a proposal to accept. Jesus and God the Father, they always respect our, our human will. They respect our intellect. They, re, they, they respect our choice, right? So Jesus is never going to cram the faith down our throats or into our heads. It's a proposal. And so I, I think it, it's a lifelong process of engaging what is being proposed and then slowly being able to, to engage it, activate it in our lives, and accept that faith. And I want to be clear here, for most of us, including myself, it's going to be a lifelong process to, to understand and to engage with everything that the church proposes and then to believe it. There's exceptional people who are able to, to do all this, to engage the faith, to believe it and to act on it and to allow it to really direct their lives in such a way that that they they become heroes. Remember last last month we talked about Saint Catherine of Siena. By the she died in her early thirties, thirty two, thirty three, right. and the the amount of of good that that woman did in such a short amount of time is almost embarrassing, it's right? Amazing. So she's an exception to to us, to me, right? Because she did so much at such a young age, um, but but that's an exceptional case. So, and I bring her up and I bring this up because we can get discouraged. We can say, gosh, if somebody like Catherine of Siena can do all that she did, including returning the Pope of Rome back to Rome, and here I am, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, and I still don't, I'm still kind of wrestling with my faith. I'm a failure. I might as well give it up. No, don't. She was exceptional. We're normal, right? And it takes our whole life to engage this. So the, the church offers us that gift of faith that comes from God. It's a proposal to believe 
It's a proposal on how to live. The, the, the tricky part for you and for me comes that we either have to accept the proposal or we reject it. Those, at the end, at the end of it all, it's going to be accepting it or it's going to be rejecting it. Fortunately for you and for me, there's that middle. That middle that we engage it, we wrestle it, we try to understand it, we try to put it into action in our lives. And that's where most of us are. And as long as you haven't said, I reject this, right? Or sometimes we'll say things like, I can believe everything the Catholic Church teaches except for X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to believe those things. Well, we're closing ourselves off, right? But we can engage and try to figure out why does the church teach what she does? You know, why does the church teach, for example, that priests are men only? Why does the church teach that the, the Eucharist is real? Why does the church teach that the Blessed Virgin Mary and the saints are to be venerated? Why does the church teach those things? Because sometimes we don't like them. They, they, they set us too far apart from the rest of the world and, and we become uncomfortable or something like that. I'm not sure what it is, but as long as we're engaging and not rejecting, God and his grace is there to help us out. So, so I thought, what do you think about that, but engaging the faith and growing in the faith and our lifelong engagement of that faith so we can, at the end of our day, say, yes, this is the faith that I believe and the faith that I live. I think what makes it challenging for most of us, Father, is you, you actually have some nice, helpful artwork this week is because the world makes proposals too, doesn't it? The world presents us with options and ideas. The world makes a proposal. And sometimes that's conflicting because that seems here and present and now it seems good. It doesn't feel good to be persecuted. There's a counter proposal from the world that offers us some things that seems more attractive. What are some of those things, uh, Father, that the world proposes to us? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Father John. That's a good segue. And so, Wes, if you put up the the, the first slide for material wealth, right? So, so the world tells us. And we're not anti-world. Actually, we love the world. We should be able, we should love the societies in which we live, our communities, we should love them. But the world tells us the most one of the most important things, if not the most important thing in your life, should be wealth and acquiring wealth. Right? And, and so the tricky thing about what the world proposes is that there is good in it, but it's a distorted good. Right? So there, there's nothing wrong, and I want you to get this straight, please. There's nothing wrong with working and making a good living. There isn't even anything wrong with working, being successful, and becoming wealthy. There's nothing wrong with that. What becomes wrong is when that becomes your life's obsession. What, 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 when you cross the line, is when, that, when acquiring that wealth becomes the gauge of our happiness, it becomes our God, right? And, and so the world tells us, you cannot be happy, you cannot be fulfilled unless you acquire wealth. Right? So we're, what Father John and I are going to do, we're going to go down the list of, of different, different things that are proposed by, by the world and, uh, and, and how, uh, what, what, what effects they may have on us. So Wes, if you go to the next slide, please, uh, social acceptance. I'm not picking on these movie stars, but you know, uh, the next thing that the world uh, tells us that it should be important to us is social acceptance. You know, you should be a big wig. People should know you and you should know people. People should think you're pretty darn important. Or maybe you yourself 
should think that you're important. Father, any, any comments on the social acceptance thing offered by the- well, It does, we, we're shaped and formed by society around us. We wanna fit in, that makes sense. We're, we're communal beings. Humans are people of, of community, not isolation. And so fitting in makes, makes very good sense. We can do that as Catholics, try to fit into a Catholic culture, even though we may not be fully embracing of that culture. But that's a very strong draw is I can start to accept and find uh, uh, acceptance of, if you will, some of social, some of society's offerings in my desire to be liked and to have friends and to, and to have community. But sometimes the community offerings or community suggestions are not healthy at all. They're not good for absolutely. me in a real sense. Uh, absolutely. And again, one thing to keep in the back of our minds is that there is a good here, but the good is distorted, right? Uh, social acceptance, and, and this is a, a clip from The Great Gatsby. And if you've ever read the book, The Great Gatsby, or, or seen the movie, it was all a fraud. This guy is living as if he could live with all these bigwigs, and he can't, right? But he pulls it off for a long time until he can't anymore. Um, but there, there, there's a, it's a distorted good. We want to belong. We want to belong to a community. We want to matter to others. And we want, we want others to matter to us. Nothing wrong with that until it becomes our God, right? The, the, the purpose of our life or the measure of our happiness, I think is a good way to look at it. Another one is, uh, is control. <laughs> and, and here uh, we have a picture of a, of a genie in a bottle, right? We, the, the world says you are happy, you are a full individual when you have control. And even in the religious sphere, right? Sometimes we, we want to look at God as, as a genie in a bottle, right? You, you, rub the, you rub the bottle the wrong, the right way, and God is supposed to fulfill what you want. Or, or in life, we're supposed to be people who really know what's going on and in control of our lives at, an, at any moment, or the lives of our children too, right? Sometimes parents drive kids crazy just trying to control everything they do. Any comments on that, Father John? What's that? And even in our in our Catholic practices, we have to be mindful. Sometimes we we can you just as you said, we view God as a, a grace dispensing machine where I put in a certain number of prayers and I expect something to come out. And so I'm trying to control God. Well, no, we offer our petitions, our prayers, our praise, and God does answer prayer. He promises that so, but his answer may be far beyond our ability to. To understand it and we limit god when we say this is how the prayer must be answered trying yeah. to control god in a way absolutely but also in society's telling us if we don't have control of our lives there's something wrong right if you don't have, have control of every aspect of your life there's something wrong now we'll, we'll talk about the christian view of that in just a second here how about the next slide please wes actually i, I think it's security is that comfort? I think there's comfort, Father. This one might be comfort. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wes. I skipped one. I'm sorry. It's comfort. Sorry, that's my fault. I'm still learning how to read here. <laughs> sorry. Comfort, right? And I have comfort and comforts, right? The world tells us that life should be comfortable, right? And and we should seek comforts. So the, the previous slide is, is comfortable. We should be comfortable, and life should offer us comforts. And those should be part of our life's goals are to look towards these things, right? And, and we, we do those in, in various ways. 
literally by just doing things for ourselves, being self-centered, getting what I want, how I want it, when I want it, and looking always to satisfy every desire that comes our way. You know, I think that, that, that a Christian should ask himself or herself on a fairly regular basis, when is the last time I, I said no to myself? Not so much when did I have to say no to myself, but when did I actually say no to myself? Because our society is, tells us you should never say no to yourself. Right? You should you, you should be you should be comfortable, and you should seek after comforts. And and we see images like this. And I'm not picking on any of this or that lovely young lady on that bean bag. <laughs> not picking on any of them, right? But that is not the purpose of life. That is not the goal of life. And if we make that our goal, it's going to lead to difficulties. Anything on that, Father John? No, other than here, you know, in, in America, we're so we're so blessed because we're so surrounded by our access to comforts. We we have instant access to them, so that leads us to try to soothe or satisfy ourselves or reward ourselves when we've accomplished something. And that's not necessarily bad, as you said, Father. Earlier, it's a distortion. It's when it becomes the objective, when it becomes commonplace, then it becomes out of balance. But um, working hard and setting a goal of achieving something and then rewarding yourself in a small way, that that's good. When it becomes uh, overindulged, then it becomes unhealthy and bad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well put. And then now uh, security, West. Sorry, I jumped the gun last time. Security, right? And th this kind of is tied in with control. But but security means, uh, again, that, that there's nothing that can affect you, you shield yourself off, you insulate yourself and, and, and almost cocoon yourself in so that you're insulated from the world, right? So, so that you feel secure in everything that you do so that you, you never have to be pushed, you never have to be challenged, right? Just kept in that comfortable, secure place all the time. And we like that. But our, our life as Christians is to step out of that castle out of that 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 fort that fort there, and to bring Christ into the world, not to keep inside. What do you think, Father? Well, it's right. We close ourselves off in different ways, and uh, we see that now. In, you know, in playing out sometimes in a broader context, this we we want to just shut the door on people that disagree with us, yeah. or we disagree with them. We just shut them off instead of being available, being compassionate, being patient. Um, building relationship, we tend to build walls around ourselves and isolate ourselves, and that's not exactly. healthy in the outcome. Exactly. If they don't think like us, then they're they're the enemy. <laughs> Instead yeah. of just different or other, they're the enemy, right? If, if they don't think like we do, yeah. So, and we see how how these these effects that are offered by just society as a whole. And again, we don't hate society; we're not anti-society. But we have to be careful about what we take from society and don't allow society to shape our good. Because in the end, right, the, the promises and the values of society are going to lead to suffering. But it's a suffering that's characterized by emptiness, by depression, by detachment, and by loneliness. Right? And I think that all of us, we, we, can, we don't have to look too far to see evidence of that, of emptiness, of depression, of detachment, of loneliness in our society, in those around us, and if we're honest, even within ourselves. 
And so, so now let, let's let's compare this to what faith offers, right? So remember, society offers us goods. They're, they're distorted good. Faith offers us authenticity. And the first thing that faith offers us is identity. And so here is, it's kind of a funny picture, but here's a person looking into a mirror, and what do they see? They see Jesus, right? And so I, so I think part of that whole distorted uh, notion of good is that we don't know who we are. But if we know at least that we are an image and a bearer of Christ, that tells us something about who we are. And that's a beautiful truth. So that's kind of a funny picture. But as Christians, that's who we are. We are, we are walking, image, walking images of Christ. Anything on that, Father John? Well, that becomes, that was an important message for our young ones receiving the Blessed Sacrament, as they are that Christ bearer now in a very real sense, his real presence in the Eucharist. They are bearing that real presence now. Uh, and all of us who are privileged to receive the Eucharist, we have that same experience. And so that image, this, this image can maybe reside in our heads as we think about receiving the Eucharist. We are that Christ bearer. And we are to see the Christ in others as well as we go throughout the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the next one is heroism. And and this is a, a Norman Rockwell. You recognize this most of you as a Norman Rockwell painting. And I can't tell if that's a teacher or if that's a mom. But this woman just <laughs> gave all that she has. <laughs> Either she gave You're it right. to that kindergarten class. Because if she is a teacher, she's a kindergarten teacher, it looks like. Or a mom who's who's exasperated in the toy room, and that is the Christian. I know Norman Rockwell probably didn't mean this, but this is this and, and images like this are images of Christian heroism. You give what you have, and you give it all, right? And that is Christian heroism because the the natural human tendency is to hold on to it. I have gifts, I have talents, I have time, I have treasure but I want to hold on to it for myself because it might get spent. And I think if all of us finish our days looking like this, <laughs> we're on our way to, to, to Christian heroism. <laughs> what do you say, Father John? Well, I think, yeah, we, we are called into that heroic effort every day. Uh, um, and there's with that heroism, there's a purposefulness. I think that was the next image you were going to show. Is, Why don't you hit that one, Father? Hit the purpose. Purpose-driven. Yeah. We carry that cross every day. We pick up that cross. We stand up. We may fall during the day, but like our good Lord Savior did, we stand up again and keep moving forward in life. Absolutely. And we know that our goal in life is to take up our cross and follow Jesus. That, and that's a beautiful thing that we should never forget. Our purpose in life is to take up that cross and follow Jesus. You notice it's not to understand the cross. It's not to, to know every nook and cranny of the cross. It's not to know why it is we have the cross we have. That's not the purpose. Simply to carry that cross and follow after the Lord. And so, Father, why don't you take the next one too, please? Let's do that. And, and call it into community. We're a communal being. This is a piece, a beautiful piece of art you showed us uh, two weeks ago. Yes. This, 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 the, the lamb we see at the center and the focus, and we see the, 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 the uh, various aspects of our church surrounding it. But we're called into that purposefulness, which is to seek him out in relation. But we do that through a community of believers. We're called into that community and we live in that community. We are people of faith community shared out each day and certainly each weekend walking in faith. Absolutely. And God made us with that desire to belong 
And what I love, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and I think even today it, it serves us, which is why it's here, is because we belong to something. We belong something to something huge, so big that what we belong to is already present in eternity, right? So in the foreground, you have people just like ourselves. In the background, you have the saints. And we are all united by faith in the Lamb. So when you are Catholic, when you live your Christian faith, you have that built-in community. You belong to something, and you are important, you are wanted, you are necessary there. And the future, right? So our, oh, I forgot to get a site for the future. <laughs> Anyways, we have a future. Heaven. It's heaven. It's heaven. It's heaven. That's our goal. You and I have a future. And it's heaven. And I, and I wonder sometimes, Father, maybe you can comment on this too, that sometimes in life, when that depression, that loneliness, loneliness, distractedness comes is because the future is uncertain. The future is uncertain. And we know the great deceiver's ploy is to make us feel isolated and alone. And so our countermeasure to that deceit is to know that we are a faith community, to know that we are, there are people praying for us. The people right now in community online with PC at home are a faith community who are actually in prayer to the rest of the, the diocese of Idaho and Catholics throughout the world. We are a faith community praying for them, praying for ourselves, calling people who may be in despair. We're praying for them and lifting them up in that moment. And we're looking, we're looking toward that future. So when we have those moments of isolation, just know it's not true. It's a lie. We're never Absolutely. isolated from our Lord. And, and then in conclusion, remember that we finished off the slides on what society offers. In the end, society is going to lead to suffering. Well, guess what? In the end, the, pro the, the promises and the values of the faith they're going to call us to empty ourselves and to accept the sufferings that come our way because sufferings will come because this is love. Accepting the sufferings that come our way is love. But suffering in the Christian context is characterized by joy, peace, a sense of humor, freedom, and independence from the world. Remember, that's compared to the suffering characterized by society, which is emptiness, depression, detachment, and loneliness. So that you too can have joy, peace, that sense of humor, freedom, independence from the world. And that's not a complete list. It's not an exhaustive list. All those good things God offers to us in this life, if we simply accept the gift of faith and ask for the faith, that he offers. And so that's going to be the CIA, the Catholic in action this week. Ask for faith as a family, as an, as an individual. Ask for the gift of faith. And we're one minute over. Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Father John, give us a blessing. I'm so privileged to do so, Father. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Alleluia, alleluia. Al Hallelujah. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you.